for this series, Colossians 1 and verse 15. And we're going to start here. This is going to be the uh, probably last message from this Stranger Things series we've been preaching on. And we've been talking about the unseen world. We were talking about the supernatural, talking about spiritual beings in that unseen world. We're going to kind of wrap it up today, but let's read this theme verse together. Colossians 1 and verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. And for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. And he made the things we can see and the things we cannot see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everybody said the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. But notice that he created everything that we can see and the things we cannot see. Such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Notice everything was created through him and for him. Can I get amen today? So we're going to continue this series about Stranger Things, and we're going to kind of wrap it up today, but I want to talk a little bit more about what I talked about last week at the beginning. Last week, we talked about the devil. Look at your neighbor say, the devil. Um, we talked about the devil last week. We talked about who he is, where he came from, what he does, and how he tries to trick us. Now, this is a little test. Are you ready for this test? What is the greatest power that the devil has deception now he deceives through uh, okay let's try that one more time so the greatest power the devil has is deception okay now you're rapping okay so you got to stay with me here but the greatest way he does that is through suggestion okay so we're going to talk a little bit more about what the devil does, but also what the demons, fallen angels, which are under him, do, because they act the same way as their master does. And we want to uh, talk a little bit further about that just real briefly, but then we want to finish this series with the main thing you need to know, and we're going to talk about the authority of the believer, because that's what you need to know as believers, that you have authority over all spiritual beings, both good and evil, and that you have authority because God gave you authority. So we're going to kind of go there today. So last week we started with talking about the devil. And uh, the reason we are talking about the devil is not to honor him today. This is not to lift him up and talk about him. But we need to talk about him to show you who he is and what he does. And to remind you that he is a defeated fallen angel at best. And so just real quickly, last week we talked about this. So God created everything. That's what we just read in your Bible. God created everything, the visible and the invisible, the seen and the unseen, both good and evil, spiritual beings in the unseen world. That's what your Bible just said. And there is an unseen world, which is called the supernatural. Now we live in the natural. Can I get amen? Amen. We live in this world, but we're also a part of the other world because we're supernatural. But there is a supernatural and unseen world that is actually more real than the world that we live in because it's eternal. The world that we live in right now is temporary. Your body is temporary. This building is temporary. This earth is temporary. One day it will all be gone and God will make something new. It's temporary, but there is an eternal realm, which is the unseen realm, which is a greater realm. That's where God exists in the unseen world. That's where these spiritual beings exist in the unseen world. And it's a greater dimension than the dimension that we live in. That's why unless God would reveal himself to us, we can't perceive it. We can't see God. We can't hear God. We can't see these spiritual beings. Notice, unless... They would choose to reveal themselves to us in the same way God would choose to reveal himself to us. So God created everything good. He never created anything evil. So what happened? Why is there evil in the world? Why is there an evil being called Satan? Why is there demons and fallen angels? Well, God didn't create it that way. God is a good God and everything he created is good. But your Bible says, and we're not going to read these verses, that in the beginning... 
before man was even here, before there was a world even here, he created spiritual beings, angels. And one of the angels was Lucifer. Lucifer was one of the top angels in heaven. He was a leader. And Lucifer, the name Lucifer means a light bearer or son of the morning. And Lucifer was a beautiful angel. It says in your Bible that he was so beautiful. And he had, he had precious stones and he had gold on him. And he was a beautiful angel. But he started to fall because he realized how beautiful he was. But that was the way that God made him to be. Also, Lucifer was a musician. He was someone who led worship in heaven. But he got tired after a while of giving the worship to God. And he wanted the worship for himself. And your Bible says that Lucifer, which that's the name of the devil or Satan or whatever you want to call him. That's his original name, the way that God created him, Lucifer. It says that evil was found in him. Sin was found in him. Why? Because he started to exalt himself above God. He started to have pride because the root of sin is always self. And he started to exalt himself and say, I will exalt myself. I will be more powerful than God. I, will, I want to be worshipped. I will do this and I will do that. And he exalted himself and God didn't make him evil. He chose of his own will because of the, his own heart to become evil. Because it says that sin, iniquity, pride was found in his heart because of his beauty, because of the way that God created him, because of the gifts that God had given him. Can I say something real quick as a disclaimer here or a little side note? Let us all be careful in here that we don't exalt ourselves because God gives us gifts. I look 10 times better than what I really am because I'm gifted on Sunday mornings. Don't fool yourself. All of us in here have gifts and graces that God gave us, and it makes us look better than what we really are. About half of you want to admit it. No, you got a grace on your life, and the reason you're good at certain things is not just because you're so smart and you're so beautiful and you're so all that. No, it's because God has graced you. Let us never forget it. If you're good at something, it's because of God. If you're smart in an area, it's because of God. If you're successful in this life, it's because of God. If you're blessed in this life, it's because of God. It's not because of you. And when we don't acknowledge that, what are we doing? We're falling into the same trap that Lucifer fell into thinking, oh, I'm just beautiful. You're only beautiful because God created you that way, Lucifer. Well, I'm just great at music. You're only good at music because God created you that way, Lucifer. And we forget where the worship belongs, not to us, but to him. So that's pride. Pride was in his heart. So guess what? As soon as he said that, he fell from heaven. God said, we ain't having that up in here. Bap! And the Bible says, Jesus even says this in the Gospels, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That quick. And where did he send him? He sent him to the earth. Now, he sent him to the earth before there was even mankind here. He sent Satan to the earth. And that's what Jesus says in the Gospels. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It was that quick. He fell that quickly because sin and pride was found in his heart. But when he fell, the Bible says he took one-third of the angels with him. Fallen angels. So we're going to get into this a little bit because the fallen angels are demons. They operate the same way as their master does. So if we say the word Lucifer, devil, Satan, wicked one, thief, there's a million names in the Bible. It's the same person. But his original name given was Lucifer in the beginning. So if you read in your Bible, it talks about the devil or Satan. It's talking all about the same person. But there is devils under him, fallen angels, demons, whatever you want to call them, that are under him in the same way on the good side, there is angels but they all have different ranks and different authority and different leadership. Now, can I teach you for a second here? And so we see that there's a hierarchy in the spiritual realm. 
The Bible uses military terms in terms like we, that we would use in government. If you read your Bible, you will see this come up many times. We see this in the good with the angelic beings, but we also see this with the demonic beings. There are ranks. There is generals. There is privates. There's captains. There's lieutenants. They're not all have the same rank or the same status in leadership. Angels and demons, there is both ranks. And we see that the Bible uses words like this, and we read it a second ago in Colossians. There is authorities, governments. Are you seeing those words? Authorities, governments. Sometimes the Bible will use the word principalities and powers in the unseen world. So it's all talking about spiritual beings, some good and some bad, in the spiritual realm. Now, this is a a revelation that's all throughout the Bible, but you need to understand this. There is spiritual beings, both good and bad, over certain regions, certain cities, certain places on the earth. That's why they are the way they are. How many know there's certain cities that are known for certain sins? Now, what is that? Is that just, just, you know, random, you know, everybody just goes there? No, there's a spirit over that region that's affecting that. In the same way, there's certain areas of the world where there's positive things happening. Guess what? There is good spiritual beings over that region helping it be the way it is. And we need to be aware of what's going on. And so we see those words in the Bible, especially the New Testament. Have anyone ever heard that when it says principality and power? Now, what's it talking about? Principality is a prince over a municipality or a region. Now, let me give you an example of that in the Bible. You don't have to turn there. We read it a few weeks ago. In Daniel, it says, remember the angel came to Daniel and said, I have come for your words. And Daniel was saying, well, I prayed 21 days ago. Where have you been? The next verse says this. The angel told Daniel, I was coming, but the prince of Persia stopped me on my way here. And then it says, and then Michael, who is an archangel, had to come and help me so I could come for your prayers. Now, that's what your Bible says. And I know that freaks some of you out who don't believe in the supernatural, but that's what the Bible really says. So we see here that there was a good angel that was sent for Daniel's words to come help him, but he was stopped for a temporary moment in time. Because there is an evil spiritual being trying to stop the answer to his prayers. And the Bible refers to it as the prince of Persia. He's not talking about a human king or a human prince. He's talking about a spiritual being. That would be a principality and a power was trying to stop him from going to Daniel. But he couldn't stop him. Now he delayed him a little bit, but he didn't stop him. So the Bible implies, notice there's both good and evil spiritual beings, authorities, governments, principalities, powers, that's what your Bible says, that are over certain regions, certain cities, certain places in the world. And they have been decided that based on their leadership or their responsibility. Notice they're not all generals. They're not all captains. They're not all privates. Now, the Bible doesn't use those military terms, but I'm trying to give you an example of the ranks that they have. There's different levels to leadership in the spiritual realm. In the same way there is on the earth, there's different levels of leadership. So let's read a verse together, Ephesians 6 and verse 12. Come on, are you guys getting something so far? Ephesians 6 and verse 12. I love this. It says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But notice what it says, but against evil rulers and authorities over the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Let me read this one more time. Ephesians 6. Now the Bible in this context is talking about the armor of God. And what does it say? It's talking to a believer. He's not talking to an unbeliever. He's talking to a believer here in Ephesians. And he's talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Being someone who takes ground for the kingdom of God. He says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. 
but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's what I just said. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So we see that there are spiritual beings that are evil that are affecting this world. That are affecting what goes on in cities, in countries, in the government, in society, in culture. It's not the person who's the problem. It's the spirit behind the people that's the problem. Now I want to say something. I want to be very strong when I say this. People are not your enemy. You need to know that. People are not your enemy. Republicans are not your enemy. Democrats are not your enemy. Independents are not your enemy. Someone of a different religion is not your enemy. Someone of a different race is not your enemy. People are not your enemy. And when we buy into the lie that a person is the problem, we have fallen for the trick of the enemy. Because the Bible, what does it just say? We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies because they're not the problem. They're not the issue. They're only being influenced by an evil spiritual being that's making them act the way they act and do what they do. So you have to take authority over the spiritual realm because that's where the problem is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People are not your enemy. They're not your enemy. People are not your enemy. When anyone does anything horrific on the planet, people are not your enemy. There's a spiritual force that's making them do what they're doing. Now, I'm not saying they don't need to be held accountable for what they did, but there is a spiritual being that's affecting them. That's why they're doing what they're doing. And if we realized that, we would have more compassion on people. And we would actually start praying for people. Why does it say to pray for your leaders? Why does it say to pray for your country and your city and your government? Because you got to get to the root of the issue. Vote all you want, but if you don't pray, nothing's changing. Anybody in this Methodist church this morning? You can vote. You can donate to people. God bless you. But if you don't pray, nothing is changing because you're not getting to the root of the issue. Now, you need to do both, but you're not getting to the root of the issue. Let me say this one more time. People are not your enemy, and they're not your problem. We say, well, so-and-so is against me. They're only against you because there's a spiritual force that's affecting them. So pray and deal with the spiritual being that's affecting them. Can I go a little bit further on that? Just considering what's going on in our country at the moment. President Trump, I don't agree with everything he does. He's not always a nice person. He doesn't always say the right things. <gasps> Pastor, you said that on a Sunday morning? Yes. He's also done some good things. Amen. But he's also been a jerk to some people. I'm just speaking the truth in love this morning. He's done both. But you criticizing him doesn't fix the issue. I don't agree with everything he does either. Okay? The point is this. If, if President Trump or, or anybody in the government, our mayor, our governor, anybody, if they're making wrong decisions, criticizing them doesn't fix the problem. You know what does? What the Bible says to pray for your leaders. <laughs> Why? Because that's getting to the root of the issue. Pray for your leaders, not only that they're safe and they're protected, but pray that those evil spiritual beings that are affecting them would be stopped. Because if they're making bad decisions, it's not just them. There is a principality in power affecting their wrong decisions that are hurting people. You got to get to the root of it. Are you guys receiving what I'm saying here? 
I'm not a Democrat or a Republican or an independent. I'm a follower of Jesus first. My allegiance is to the kingdom of God, not the United States of America. And if you're a believer, that's the way you should think. Country is second to God. If you're going to be a believer, we want this country to be blessed. We support this country. I believe it's the best country on the face of the planet. I am thankful I live here. But my allegiance and a loyalty is to God and the kingdom of God first. So if my country's going to try to divide me to people, I'm not going with it. I'm going with what God says. I'm going with the kingdom of God. I'm going with the church because that's my family. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Now, I'm saying this because i got to address it because there's a lot of crazy things going on in this country right now. And you need to think not just naturally about it. You need to think spiritually about it. And get to the root of the problem. What the Bible said? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not the problem. But against principalities, powers, evil beings in the spiritual world. That's the problem. So that's why we pray. Doesn't the Bible say that? <laughs> it says it for a reason. You got to get to the root of the issue here. You want things to happen and change in, in the world? You got to pray. Why? Because there's spiritual beings that are affecting the way that things are going. It's not just people. There's a spiritual being behind that person that's affecting them. It's in the supernatural. It's in the spiritual. And so when people get into fighting, why do they fight each other? Because they're only thinking about the natural. They're not thinking about the reality of the spiritual world that's ultimately affecting what happens in this country and in this world. So people are not your problem, church. Stop fighting. Stop blasting people on Facebook. It's not of God. That's not God's heart. Pray. Pray. And if you want to talk about it, talk to somebody one-on-one. But pray. Did you guys hear my heart today? But notice, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against these supernatural beings that are in this world. Let's read it one more time, Ephesians 6 and 12. Notice what it says. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So I can see here that even the words used here, they're different ranks of spiritual beings that are evil. But we have authority over all of them. Can I get amen? Amen. So let me go a little bit further today. I want to talk to you the rest of this time about the authority of the believer. And I'm going to give you a quick crash course from Genesis to Revelation about the authority of the believer. So we see in the beginning, in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve, and he created everything perfectly. And we see that God gave Adam and Eve, the Bible says, all authority and dominion to rule this world. That's what your Bible says. So he gave Adam and Eve all authority, all dominion, all power to rule this world. What did God do? God delegated authority to Adam and Eve to be rulers of this world. So what happened? Well, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and chose to sin, they lost their authority to the devil, to Satan, to Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. And after that, because of their sin... Satan became the God or the ruler of this world. Now, let me give you a verse for that. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. Look what it says. Satan, who is the God of this world, small g, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And they are unable to see the glorious 
light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. But notice, Satan, who is the God of this world. So we see when Adam and Eve sinned and when they fell, the authority and dominion that they had and the power that they had to rule this world was given legally to Satan. And Satan became the ruler or the God of this world, small g. Now, that's the ultimate reason why the world is in the shape it's in. Many people say, well, God is in control. No, he's not. Satan, the God of this world, is in control of this earth. Because Adam and Eve gave him the authority and dominion legally to do so. That's why the world is in such bad shape. That's why we have the wars and we have the abuse and we have the murders and we have all the crazy things that happen on the world is because Satan is the God of this world. But once again, there's other people under him, principalities, powers, authorities, spiritual beings. So Satan legally took the authority from Adam and Eve and he became the God of this world. But the good news is this, when Jesus came, who is God in the flesh, when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't just come to save you and get you to heaven. You're only hearing a part of the story if you just hear that. He didn't just come to just redeem you. He came to get your authority back that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. He came to restore the authority back to mankind, back to the children of God, back to the sons and daughters of God, that we would be back in authority on the earth. And for us as believers, the authority has been restored back to us. Now, if you're not a believer in Jesus, you are under the authority of the enemy. And you have no choice because he is the God of this world. But for us, we've been redeemed out of that. We've been saved out of that. And we have gotten our authority back. And it's because God's authority, it was his idea. It's God's plan that man would get his authority back. So we see Jesus in the Gospels, what did he do? He showed us as people how to deal with the devil. Up to that point, people didn't really know. They did the best they could. But we see Jesus, what did he do in the Gospels to deal with the devil? When he saw one, he cast it out. When he dealt with them, he had authority. When he encountered somebody with a demonic issue... The demon was afraid because he knew that Jesus had authority. But Jesus wasn't just doing that so we could see what he could do. He was doing that to show you what you could do. Because he's restoring your authority. Stay with me. We're going somewhere today. So we see how Jesus dealt with the demonic, how Jesus dealt with the devil. How many know when Jesus was in uh, the wilderness for 40 days, literally the devil himself came and tempted him. Not just a demon, the devil. How did he deal with him? With authority. And every time the devil would come back at him, Jesus answered him with authority, and then the devil left. So Jesus who is God, came to not just save us, not just redeem us, but to get mankind's authority and dominion back over the God of this world, the devil. How many know if you're over him, you're over all the principalities and powers and authorities and governments and everything else that's listed? It's all under your feet because you have authority. The disciples, even in the Gospels, even though they weren't even saved yet, you hear me? They weren't even saved yet. How many know people could not get saved till Jesus went to the cross and died and rose again? Even the disciples in the Gospels said, Jesus, we have authority over the devils just like you do. That's what your Bible says. And the disciples were casting out demons even under that old covenant because of the delegated authority that Jesus gave to his disciples. And you know what Jesus said? Well, it's good that you're casting out demons, but there's more important things that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. 
that you're going to heaven. That's more important than this. So even the disciples that walked with Jesus had authority in his name. And so we see here that Jesus walked with authority as God, but not only that, he came to get back our authority by his death, burial, and resurrection. So let's read in Matthew 28, 18. Now this is after Jesus had died and rose again, and he was starting the church. Notice what Jesus said. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority. Everybody say all All. authority. I love that. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he got us our authority back. Because until that point, who had authority on earth? God of this world, Satan. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let's leave this up here for a second. Notice what it said. Jesus said, I have been given all authority because I got it back after my death, burial, and resurrection. I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, you guys, not me, you guys go into all the world and preach the gospel and fulfill the mission of God. And what are you going with? My authority. That's how you can do it. He didn't say, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore I'm going to go. He said, I've been given all authority, therefore you go and make disciples of all nations. And what is he doing here? He's delegating the authority that he has to his church to do the mission of God, to fulfill the plan of God with the authority he gave us. And what do you see in the book of Acts? You see in the book of Acts a church that walks in authority. A church that's fulfilling the plan of God. A church that's fulfilling the mission of God with the authority that Jesus gave it. And that church is changing the world. And that church is casting out demons. And that church is healing the sick. And that church is changing a nation. And that church is having authority. And they're not getting walked over by the enemy. Think about how much authority they had. The Roman government was the most uh, powerful government and empire on the face of the earth. But they were intimidated of Christians. And at that time, Christians didn't have the money. They didn't have the influence. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have anything but the authority that God gave them. And the Roman Empire was scared of early believers because they were saying, these people are changing the world. How are they doing that? Because they have the authority that Jesus got back for them. Come on, are you you hearing what I'm saying today? So, the church has authority. Once again, not because we forced God to give it to us. It was his idea. It was his plan that he would give us authority. The Bible says we are one with him. And he is one with us. The Bible says that he lives in us and we are in him. The Bible says that we are heirs together with Jesus and joint heirs with Christ. And if he has authority, we have authority. That was his idea, his plan, his doing. The Bible also says we are seated together in heavenly places with Jesus. And notice it says that we're seated at the right hand. Now, the right hand in the Bible has to do with favor. Has to do, how many right-handed people in the house of God? See, you left-hand people ain't right. (laughs) Weege. The right hand is the hand of authority. The right hand is the hand of favor. 
The right hand is the hand of blessing. And it says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of heaven. Why? Because it's a finished work. But it says he's not sitting there by himself. It says we are seated together with him at the right hand of the Father. Meaning we have the same authority he has. Let me ask you something this morning. I know we are not physically in heaven at the right hand of God. We're not physically there. Anybody there? No, you're right here in New Albany. But he's talking about because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, positionally, you are at the right hand of God. Seated with him in heavenly places, far above all principality and power in every name that's named. You are at the right hand of God, positionally. Now, what does that mean that you're at the right hand of God or the right hand has authority and favor positionally? That means that all of heaven and all of earth and all of hell sees you in that position. So when you speak, they don't just see you. They see Jesus speaking. They see authority speaking. They see someone who is seated with Christ in heavenly places far above them at the right hand, which the right hand is authority. I'm preaching 25% better than you're responding. Come on, are you starting to get the authority that you have as a believer? So we have authority. We are joint heirs with Christ. We are heirs together. We are seated together in heavenly places far above with authority and with a position of authority. Let's read Ephesians 1 and verse 19. It says, The eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the riches and glory of your inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to his working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him where? The right hand in heavenly places. Now where is the right hand? Far above. Everybody say far above. I got to deal with this. Christians act like us and the devil are real close. We just got a little bit more authority than he does. Demons, evil spirits, oh, we're barely making it. What does the Bible said? We are far above. Not slightly above. Have a little bit more power. Barely making it. No, this is your Bible. The Bible says you're seated with him, right? At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Seated together. Which is far above. All principality, all powers, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Oh, it's got to get better. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Verse 22, it says that God put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, where's the feet at? Where's the feet at, guys? Is it in the head? It's in the body. Now, what's the Bible say? You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. So when it says he put all things under his feet, it means he put all things under my feet. Why? Because I'm part of the body of Christ. The Bible says he's the head and we're the body. Where's the feet? Let's get that verse back up here. He put all things under his feet. That's the position you have of authority. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. That's us, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We as believers have authority. 
We have delegated authority that Jesus gave to us, and that was his plan. And we are seated together with him in position and in authority. We are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. This is, this, these are all scriptures. And he put all things under his feet, which means he put all things under my feet because I'm in the body. So we as believers have authority over the devil, over demons, over fallen spirits, over everything that's named, it says. We have authority because we are one with him. Are you receiving this today? We have authority. It was his idea. It was his plan to give us authority. But the head cannot exercise the authority apart from the body. In the same way, the body can't exercise authority apart from the head. That's why it says we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Why? Because if it's got to get done, who's going to have to do it? His body. If the world's going to get changed, who's going to do it? People say, Jesus. Nah, not exactly. Jesus' body, the church. Because he's changing the world through you and me. He's healing through these hands. He's not reaching down from heaven with his hand. How is he touching people? He's touching people through our hands. He's healing people through our hands. He's going to the broken through our feet. He's delivering people through our mouth. He's doing everything he's doing on the earth through his church, through his body. And if we don't do it, it won't be done. That's what makes the Christian life exciting. Many people aren't excited about the Christian life because they forgot they have a big part to play in it. Because they're over here praying, God, do something. Do something in the United States. Do something in this city. Do something in my school. And he said, that's why I sent you there. And didn't just send you there by yourself. With authority. <laughs> with authority. I don't know if you're getting this the way I'm preaching it or not. With authority. And if it's got to get done, it's got to get done through the church. And if you've got to see your school change, it's gotta, God's going to use you. He's not going to just rain it down from heaven. He's using a person, his body, the body of Christ. And if your job's going to get saved, it's got to come through you. And if this region's going to be changed, it's got to th- come through a church. Now, I know religion makes us want to back up from this. But this is your Bible. (laughs) And he said he gave you authority to do something about it. He gave you authority to change the world as his church. He gave you authority to do something great from, from God. And many believers are sitting praying for God to do something when he already has. That's why you're frustrated. God said, I already answered your prayers. Already did it. What does the Bible say? Therefore, you go. Let's just be honest enough to say, I just don't want to go. (laughs) Can can we say that? Let's just be honest enough to say, oh, it's not on God's side. It's therefore, I don't want to go. Instead of being frustrated at God for not doing something, he's saying, I gave you authority to do something about it. Therefore, you go. It's going to keep getting better. I got a few more verses for you. Because we have authority. Is anybody stirred up about your authority today? We have authority. Not only do we have authority over the spiritual realm, we have authority to do something on this earth great for God. 
And it's been given to us delegated authority. God is waiting on us to do something, to change the world. That's what he's using, the church. Anybody got any keys I can borrow? I like these keys right here. I'm just going to act like these are my keys for a second, okay? Because we're one. (laughs) I think I left my keys back in my uh, office. So we're talking about authority. Now it's going to get better. You still with me here? We're about to wrap this up, but we're going to go out with a bang. The authority of the believer. You have authority. The Bible talks about keys, And keys are a symbol of authority, are a symbol of access. If you got the keys, you got control. Let me say that one more time. If you got the keys, you got control. Guess who has Devon's card this morning? If you got the keys, you got control. Now, there's a couple people around here that have a master key of this church. Guess what that means? Because I have one of them. Those who have the keys have control. So me and Miss Donna pretty much. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Those have the keys have control. Why? Because keys stand for authority. Keys mean that you can unlock things and you can close things if you got the keys. So this is what happened. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and sinned, they legally had to hand over the keys to the devil. And when they did, he became the God of this world. And he's been controlling it ever since. That's why still today, the things we have on the planet is because of him. Because he has the keys. So he has control. So he causes natural disasters. He causes shootings. He causes murders. He causes strife. He causes all these things to happen. He causes sex trafficking to happen. He causes all these horrible things, sickness and disease. The reason it happens on the planet is he has the keys because he's the God of this world. It's legally his. Those who have the keys have control. But something happened. When Jesus came and he lived on this earth and he did what he did, he showed us how to walk in authority. But after he did that, he went to the cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid for our redemption. And it says he paid the full price. And when he went to hell, he did go to hell. Somebody say amen to that. He went to hell so you don't have to. So say amen louder than that. Somebody had to go. He just went. So he went to hell for us. And it says he was tormented for three days. He took on all the sickness, all the disease, all the pain, all the poverty, all the abuse, all things that would be against us. He took that on himself and paid for us. But when he left, he kicked the devil in his blessed assurance. (laughs) And he got the keys back. He got the keys back. Now let me show you in your Bible where it says he got the keys back. This is in Revelation, verse 1 and verse 17. This is a a vision that John's having, and he's seeing Jesus. It says, when I saw him, I fell down at his feet, good as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, and I heard a reassuring voice saying, don't yield to fear. I am the beginning, and I am the end. Verse 18, this is Jesus speaking. He says, the living one. I was dead, but now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. This is in the Passion Translation, if you want to know. Notice what it says. Jesus said, I hold the keys that unlock death and the unseen world. It's better. We can all agree that Jesus has the keys, right? No one would deny that. Even religious people would say, Jesus got the keys. 
But he doesn't need the keys up in heaven. So what did he do? He delegated authority. He said, I'm not going to need these because I got these back for you. And he gave them to the church. Here you go, Brother Les. You're the church. He gave them to the church. So now the church has the keys. And the church has the authority. And the church has the control if we ever walked in our authority. Come on, do you believe that today? The reason this world is in the shape it's in is not because the devil's big, bad, and mean. It's because the church doesn't step up and uses authority. Why? Because Jesus doesn't need keys in heaven. Nothing's going on up there that needs to be fixed. But what did it say? When Jesus left, he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. Therefore, you go. Threw him the keys. Threw the church the keys. Therefore, you go and do something about it. Got another verse for you. Come on, Matthew 16. Jesus, he's speaking prophetically about what's going to happen, and this is the day that we live in. He says, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He's talking about his church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In verse 19, and I will give you the keys. So you got authority back now. And whoever has the keys has control. He's speaking about the day. Now we live here because Jesus already died and rose again. And he got the keys, but he gave it to us now. Notice what Jesus said. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus said, I'm going to get the keys for you, which he did. We just read that in Revelation. He got the keys for us. But he said, I'm going to give it to you, the church, the body of Christ. And now whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Now how could you do that, church? Because you have authority. And you have the keys. And we have control of what happens in our life and in this world. Because we have authority. So look at this word. It said, whatever you bind. The word bind can mean to forbid or to lock. You know what? You have ultimate authority. If the devil's trying to get in your life, get in the front door, lock. Hi. Can't get in. Lock the door. Also have the keys. You don't. Said whatever you bind, whatever you forbid, whatever you lock will be locked in heaven or the unseen world. And it says whatever you loose, the word loose means to open or permit. Whatever you open or permit or loose on earth will be loosed in the unseen world. Why? Because you have the keys. You have the keys. You guys picking up something today? Come on, you have authority. So we have authority as believers and we have the keys. And the keys that we have are to bind and to loose. It says whatever you bind on earth we be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So we have authority to tell the enemy, no. You can't come into my life. You can't have my job. You can't have my family. You can't have this church. You can't have this region because you're not in control. You have absolute authority to say that. But then on the other hand, you have authority to loose the good things. In your life. I'm stirred up about it. So we see here that when we pray prayers for God to do something about the devil, they're unscriptural prayers. 
when we say things like, God, I just wish that you make the devil stop. You make the devil go away. You make the devil stop tormenting me. You make the devil not do this and not do that. Those are unscriptural prayers. Now, religious people pray prayers like that, but it's unscriptural. Why? Because you have the keys. You know what he's going to say? Therefore, you go. Because you have authority. And I've delegated it to you. It would be the same way if after I gave Brother Les those keys. Now, those aren't my keys. Those are your keys. But we're going to pretend like they're my keys. And he's the church, and I'm Jesus. And Brother Les kept saying to me, Are you going to give me your keys? Are you going to let me drive around in your car? And I'm telling him, Brother Les, take my truck. There's full gas in it. I need you to go run these errands. I need you to do this for me. And Brother Les kept calling me on the phone in the parking lot saying, Well, I need you to come and and get in the car with me and drive me around, and then I can do it. And I say, No, Brother Les, you don't understand. I've delegated you authority. I gave you the keys. There's a full tank of gas. Take my truck and go do it for me. And then he said, no, I can't do that. I need you to come. Now, we think that's funny, but that's what the church does every day. That's why nothing gets done. Jesus said, no, you do it. And the church says, no, you do it. And he said, I gave you authority. And and they say, no, I don't want to do it because you need to do it. And we just go back and forth between us and Jesus, not realizing we have delegated authority. Now, can you kind of understand why a lot of things don't change on the planet? Because we're telling God to do something, and he keeps saying, no, I gave you the keys. Go do it. You have authority. And, you know, eventually I would think, man, there's something wrong, Brother Les. Because I gave him the keys, and I gave him my truck, and I gave him a full tank, and he just won't go do it. And how many know God from heaven think of sometimes, church, come on, guys. I gave you authority. I gave you the keys. I gave you everything you needed to do the mission of God. Stop asking me to do more when I've already done it. It's a finished work. You have complete authority. Therefore, you go and use it. And he's waiting for us to use the authority we have. So it's unscriptural to pray, God, you do something and help. Get this devil away from me. I think we've all prayed prayers like that. God says, no, you do something about it. Because you have authority. And his authority given to you is him doing something about it. How many know when you grow up, you stop doing everything for your kids? You should. Or they're not grown up. It's the same way spiritually. When you start growing up, God says, no, you take care of it. You have authority. No, you bind it. No, you loose it. Now, this message is a growing up message, church. And it's encouraging. Why? Because we have the authority. We have the keys. We have the ability to bind and loose. That's what the word says. He gave us that. Last verse. Appreciate you guys listening. James 4 and verse 7 says, So then surrender to God. Stand up to the devil. Stand up 2012, anybody? All right. Best rap song ever. So then surrender to God. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to us as believers. He's talking to you. He says, you stand up to the devil and resist him. And what will he do? And he will turn and run away from you. Stand up to the devil and resist him. And he will turn and run away from you. Now, why will the devil turn and run away from you? Because you have authority. And he knows it better than you do. He knows it. He remembers when Jesus kicked his butt. He remembers when the keys got taken from him. And he knows he gave the keys to his church. So he has no choice. Stand up to the devil. 
and resist him. So when the devil tries to mess with you or your family or anything in your life, you have authority. Resist him and he will turn and run away from you. Because you have authority. Did you guys get something today? Come on, let's stand up together. Brother Daryl, could you come play for a moment? Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brother Les. I'll get those keys back.